0: to know not only how the war affected the city that sat as a bullseye between battling armies, but also what it meant for the women of Washington. And I learned that the answer was, as I suspected, dramatic. The sleepy little pre-war capital city went from being a social center for self-described bells to a place where purposeful women assembled to effect change. And it was not just the city that was transformed— it was also the women themselves. The antebellum bells spent their days calling on cabinet and congressional wives or listening to debates in the Capitol galleries and their nights at dinners and dances. Deeply political, they promoted their husbands' and fathers' careers and competed with each other for preeminent position in the capital City's close-knit social circles. Everyone here is well-read and well-informed, one of the leading Bell's mothers, wrote to her husband on a visit to Washington in 1854. Verena Davis was expecting a new baby, and her mother was charmed by the city where her daughter lived. Talent makes the aristocracy here. Money has its admirers, too, but talent outranks it. Women of talent could shine in the social gatherings that were dominated by Southerners who seemed to have been in Washington forever. Even many of the Congressional newcomers and their wives knew each other because their fathers had been there before them. And some of the women had been schoolmates at the Visitation Convent in Georgetown, which educated girls of all faiths and from all regions. Then secession forced the Southern women to depart, and their friends in the city they left behind were soon grappling with questions of safety and sanitation as the capital was transformed first into a huge army camp bursting with frisky fresh soldiers, and then a massive hospital reeking with wounded young warriors. Women engaged in all kinds of activities. Nurses, supply organizers, relief workers, pamphleteers all aided the cause, and female journalists covered it. Dorothea Dix and Clara Barton became powerful forces helping the soldiers. Anna Ella Carroll provided the propaganda. And the Civil War boasted its own rendition of Rosie the Riveter, women who did the dangerous work of making munitions at arsenals, many losing their lives in awful accidents. An earlier version of the government girls also were called to the Federal City, women who worked at the Treasury Department, taking the place of men who had joined the Army, just as the agency added the enormous job of printing greenbacks to pay for the war. The Washington Navy Yard broke with tradition as well, and hired women to sew canvas bags for gunpowder. As enslaved people sought refuge behind Union lines and other slaves made their way north, Washington beckoned as the promised land for tens of thousands of the so-called contrabands. After emancipation was declared in Washington in 1862, and the numbers of newcomers swelled, African-American women like Elizabeth Keckley joined with their white counterparts to found societies aimed at improving conditions in camps crowded with these displaced persons. And, struggling to establish schools and orphanages to handle the children, many women concluded that changes in public policy were needed in order for any real progress to occur. So they stepped up their lobbying and activism with suffragists coming to the capital to press their case. The city of Washington would never be the same. The population almost doubled as a result of the war, and the size of the federal government exploded. When I was a little girl, the National Mall was marred by ugly temporary buildings that were hastily erected during the two world wars and marked the rapid growth of government over the previous few decades. The Civil War had the same impact. The federal budget, which had been $78 million in 1860, grew to almost $377 million in 1867 after spending for the war had ended. Measures spurring on industrial and agricultural production, plus new initiatives like the Homestead Act and the creation of land-grant colleges, required new federal agencies and an influx of bureaucrats to run them. No longer a small southern town. Where everyone important knew everyone else, Washington bustled with the energy of parvenus who paraded through the halls of the Capitol and rose in the ranks of Congress. And what of the women of Washington who called themselves Bells? The gay and thoughtless Bell.